and we'll get into our study. Jesus, thank you so much for, Lord, this day, God. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And God, as that psalm said that, Lord, that is exactly what we're doing today, Lord. We're going to rejoice in you because you have made this day for us, Lord, to come and seek you on Sunday, to worship you, Lord, to to come before your feet, study your word, and just come together as God's people. Lord, as we come here, we know that we don't want to stay the same, God. Lord, I pray that you would bring us to the end of ourselves and begin a new start, Lord, in our life with you. So I ask, Lord, that you would bless your word today, anoint it with your Holy Spirit, and I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. In a recent survey, this is from 2017, 1,000 kids under the age of 12 were asked what they want to be when they grow up. Now, the top answers were really the usuals you hear, like, I want to be a doctor, a veterinarian, police officer, firefighter, scientist, engineer, musician, athlete, and teacher, and astronaut. I mean, pretty normal answers. But I also came across some funny answers to what kids said about this. Like, Jessica, age four, said, when I grow up, I want to be a fire hydrant. I don't know why. One unnamed child kept their goals close, you know, like not too far into the future, when he said, I am seven. When I grow up, I want to be eight. <laughs> With the question, what are three things you want to do in the future? Well, this is what one little boy wrote. Number one, get a girlfriend. Number two, kiss her. And number three, rule the world. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. No, another uh, uh, thing that I found was a teacher tasked one little child on answering this question. What will you be doing when you're 100 years old? The answer, breaking out of my tomb. <laughs> uh, he was thinking there. Last one, Albert, little Albert, answered this about what he wants to be when he grows up. He wrote this, a person who stays home and does nothing. How do you like that? He'll make a great husband one day, yeah? No, just joking. Funny, but you know what? There's this question for us also. I mean, what do you want to be when you grow up spiritually? That's what we got to keep in mind here today. And actually, God already has a plan for you and me. In Romans 8, chapter 29, it says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And that's what believers are to be when we grow up spiritually, and that is to be like Jesus. That's what we're heading into. That's what God is doing in our life. That's his work. Well, as we come today to Hebrews chapter 13, we actually come to our final study in the book of Hebrews, we're going to take this last section, finish this whole book this morning. And as we come into this passage, the writer gives some closing thoughts, his closing thoughts, and a closing prayer. And all of this, it's all to encourage the Jewish believers that he's writing to, to keep making spiritual progress in their life with the Lord. So our title today is this, Keep at Growing Up spiritually that's our title our last message here in hebrews 13 keep at growing up spiritually now we're going to be taking a look at hebrews 13 from verse 17 through 25 today we're going to finish off this chapter pick it up at verse 17 as as we left last week on verse 16 so keep at growing up spiritually and and, and what does that mean well this is our outline and this is what we're going to see in this section Number one, submit in obedience. Number two, support in prayer. And number three, surrender in maturity. So that's our outline. We'll begin here. Number one, submit in obedience. Submit in obedience. Keep at growing up spiritually. And what, what, how we do that? Well, that means to submit in obedience. Now, take a look with me here now. Hebrews Chapter 13, verse 17, and we're only going to look at this first part. This first part of verse 17 says, 
Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. And we're going to stop and pause right there. All right, we begin with this, with the writer saying, obey and basically be submissive now to those who rule over you. What he's saying is believers have the responsibility to obey their pastor and the leadership in the church. That's simply what he's saying here. Now, remember up back in uh, Hebrews 13, verse 7, he wrote that we are to remember like our past leaders and follow their example. Remember, we studied that back up there. But here now, the writer is saying that believers need to come under the authority of their present leaders. Not We follow the past leaders and saints, but here we come under the authority of the present leaders in the church. And why is that so important here? Why is the writer kind of closing things out and putting that out there? Well, because as we see in verse 17, God has called the church, the people in the church, believers, to, um, to be under and submissive because God has called the leaders to watch out for your souls, it says here in verse 17. See, like a shepherd watching over his sheep, Leaders are tasked to watch over God's people. See, the leaders, they serve God as if Jesus is here himself to care for your spiritual needs, to give you the spiritual food, which is through the teaching of the Word of God, and to guide you in your spiritual growth. So all of this is all concerning your spiritual walk, your relationship with the Lord. So the idea here as we begin is believers are to submit in obedience. Thus our heady. Believers are to submit in obedience for God has positioned leaders in the church to care for your spiritual well-being. That's the idea we see right away. Now, take a moment, turn over to the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, it's to the left. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 it's uh, after the gospels after galatians and then comes ephesians ephesians chapter 4 in your bibles here in verse 11 and verse 12 i'm going to read these to you and i want you to see this with your own eyes that's how i that's why i want you to turn there but ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says and he himself that's God gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So these are the leaders, the spiritual leaders who teach and bring God's truth to God's people and lead and guide people to the Lord. This is what God has gifted the churches. He gave, he set up and positioned leaders, spiritual leaders in the church and the body of Christ. And why is that? Well, look at verse 4. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So you see, God has placed the spiritual leaders in their position of authority to equip the saints. In other words, they are there to help believers grow up spiritually, the title of our message today, and to become those who actively serve and further the kingdom of God here on earth. So you see here, when Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, he was sharing with all of us and through God's word, sharing that this is God's design. This is how God structured the church to have pastors and leaders and, and those evangelists, those, those in authority over the body of Christ. And this is how God designed it all. So people would be able to grow up spiritually in God. Now go back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter uh, 13. The next thing we see here in verse 17 that we read earlier is that believers can obey and submit because leaders have a responsibility before God and that they are those, and look what it says next here, who must give account. In other words, leaders, they answer to God in how they are obeying Him in caring for His sheep. That's really the idea. The leaders actually have a stricter responsibility and accountability before the Lord. If you remember, Jesus said, too much is given, much is required, Luke 12, 48, right? 
So the idea now here is the leaders directly accountable to God in how they serve to spiritually help God's sheep. That's the idea. John Phillips, he wrote this in his commentary. They minister with an eye fixed firmly on the judgment seat of Christ at which they too must appear to give account of their work. So just as we all as Christians will appear before Christ and that, remember that Bema seat we studied back then, and, and that we will, you know, be, I mean, we're going to be saved and all, but we're going to be given rewards according to how, you know, we lived our life and how we serve God and what, how we did with what God had given us to do. Well, leaders, they, they have that, that in focus, knowing that they're going to have to give account to the Lord also, and God will keep them in account, and they answer to God in how they serve the Lord. So think about it this way. The responsibility of believers is to submit an obedience to their leaders, and the responsibility of leaders is to submit in obedience to the Lord. So believers submit in obedience to the leaders, but the leaders submit in obedience to the Lord. Okay. With all that in mind, the writer goes on and look at verse 17 once again. He goes on here and he says this, the second half of verse 17. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So the writer goes on and says, look, you know, as believers, church body, hey, you got to be submissive in obedience to your leaders. And, and you know why? Because they're watching over you. They're, they're, t- they're taking care of you. They're helping you to grow spiritually. And you know what? They are accountable even on what they do. So, you know, if, if you have our time, just know that God is going to keep them accountable. And they're accountable, you know, to the Lord and all. But, hey, be submissive. No, this is God's structure and all. So then the writer adds this in the second part of verse 17. Let the leaders do, you know, how they serve God in this position. Let them do this with joy and not grief. In other words, let their calling, let, let, let where God has placed them in, let their calling turn out to be a blessing and not a burden. Let it be a joy and not filled with grief or sorrow. And, and so how is that accomplished? How does the believer help? Well, it's what the writer just said at the beginning of verse 17. Obey and be submissive, basically, in what they lead you in, in what they teach you or in, instruct you about. So, when you submit in obedience, you know what? You bring joy to your leaders. And when you don't, you don't. Yeah? Makes sense, right? I mean, think about this. Think about how hard it must have been for Moses dealing with with the Israelites in the wilderness, right? We know our Old Testament stories. You know, I was thinking about back in Exodus chapter 17. They came into this new area. Moses led them through, you know, God's leading to this new area called Rephidim. And then right away, they're complaining. Why, why are we here? There's no water here. Moses, what'd you do? You brought, brought us out of Egypt to die here? And I was thinking... It's a new area, a new thing the Lord's doing, and sometimes people don't like that when that happens, right? And so they, they, they start, you know, complaining, Moses, look what you're doing to us. Look what you're, you're, you know. And that's even after God is now miraculously daily providing manna and, you know, nourishment and water. I mean, God's taking care of them, but they're complaining. I don't see any water here. I don't, I don't see it. It's not like the other place, you know, that kind of thing. So they came really... They came down really hard on Moses, and it was so bad. They were so coming against Moses that when Moses cried out to the Lord in verse 4 of Exodus 17, he said, Lord, help me. I mean, these guys, they want to stone me. They even want to stone me. So we understand, I mean, that's just a little picture of what we've learned with the Israelites in the wilderness journey, how they grumbled. They murmured behind Moses' back. They were, the Lord said, you guys are stiff-necked people. In other words, you're stubborn. Whatever I tell Moses to tell you to do, you're stubborn about doing. So I could see for Moses, working with the Israelites was what? More a grief than it was joy. So do you think that it is what God intended for Moses to go through? Nah. 
I don't think so. I mean, if anything, I was thinking about they're more like a thorn in his side, right, than a blessing. No, I wouldn't say how the Israelites handled the leadership of Moses and, and what he told, asked them and told them to do, you know, through the Lord. I wouldn't say that that's doing God's will. Rather, I would say that's a hindrance, yeah, to what God's servant Moses was trying to do and what God had called him to do to have him lead them in that way. So we don't want to be a hindrance but we want to be a blessing to the ministers and leaders who are above us. We want to be a, a joy to them. We want their calling to be a joy. And then the last thing here in verse 17, the writer says, you know what, being disobedient, being unsubmissive and all that is what? Unprofitable for you. In other words, it will not be beneficial to your spiritual growth. I mean, it makes sense for it was that kind of attitude for the Israelites in the wilderness, Right? And, and it wasn't beneficial for them. So the writer is saying when you don't submit in obedience, you hinder your own spiritual progress. Look, God uses leaders as a channel to accomplish his spiritual work in your life. So to go against them is to go against what God is trying to accomplish in your life. And that is unprofitable. Now, what are some unprofitable things? Well, I was thinking about this. I'm going to give you three things. What are some unprofitable things? Number one, likely consequences. Likely consequences. I mean, think of how God will, you know, direct pastors or leaders to teach or share in something, and the Holy Spirit uses their study or Bible study to speak to your heart and to convict the heart of a person. But if that person rejects it and continues on living in sin, What's that going to do? It's going to likely bring these consequences, which make for harder times of those who made those bad choices. And think about this. What the pastor's saying or what is being thought, taught, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to the person and convicting them and helping them. Why? Because if they would repent or turn or avoid a sin, then you know what? It could, all these consequences, all this, this heartache and hurt, could have been avoided. But when you aren't submissive, when you don't obey, then, well, there's likely consequences to happen. Number two, another unprofitable thing is lost opportunities. Lost opportunities. God uses leaders to guide believers into opportunities to serve, to be used to further the kingdom of God here on earth. I mean, think about this. Why are we still here? Yeah. Why, is, why hasn't God just brought us home after he saved us? Well, you know why? Well, he wants to help us to grow, but also he wants to use us to further his kingdom. And so God has a plan and purpose for each one of you to be used of the Lord, to be a shining light, to share the truth, to share Jesus, to, to further the kingdom, whether it's serving here in church and being all part of that or, or going out or to your neighbor or coworker, what, whatever that is, God wants to use you. And so God will guide the prayerful leaders in what he wants the church to do. And, and like the events we have, you know, the events we put out for you guys to be a part of, it's an opportunity to be part of that. So you can be a part of what God is doing in the body of church, in the body of the church. And then, hey, if, if, yeah, let's jump in. And the, the leader saying, hey, be a part of this. And you jump in, you're a part of that. And you know what? It's an opportunity to serve the Lord and be used by God. But if you don't, they're lost opportunities. And I'll tell you, many times I'll talk about this in a moment, but one opportunity can lead to other opportunities. So it can, if you don't uh, uh, be submissive and obey, it could be lost opportunities in your life. All right. The third thing here, I mean, while well, we see likely consequences, lost opportunities, and what's another unprofitable thing? And this is lack of of growth number three is lack of growth and this is what we're talking about i mean think about israel now israel in the wilderness remember what happened to them because of their sin because of their rebellion because of their disobedience against god and what moses how god was using moses this two-week journey took 40 years in the wilderness actually god had a plan of taking a couple years and then they went to the promised land. God was going to bring them them, 
bring them in. But they were disobedient in their faith and trusting God. And so the Lord said, okay. So it's 38 years in the wilderness and round and round, 40 years altogether. And really, if you went straight from Egypt to the promised land, it, was only, it only would have taken two weeks or less. They ended up, Israel, being spiritually stagnant, not growing. They lacked faith when it came to that point in the promised land. And you know what? They ended up going nowhere spiritually. So when we are not submissive and obedient to what God is saying through the leadership, certainly it's a lack of spiritual growth. So you see how spiritually unprofitable it is if you don't submit in obedience. Now all this brings us to the writer's point here, verse 17. To obey and submit to your leaders is to allow what God arranged to help you grow spiritually. So to obey and submit to your leaders is to allow what God arranged to help you grow spiritually. You know, uh, one of my many jobs I had in my life, uh, I had this for a little while before going on to other things, was I worked for my uncle repairing cameras. He had a camera repair shop. And, and at first, you know, the first thing I, I learned was to how to clean the camera, basically, you know. And, and, and that's what, you know, he trained me to do. And then from there, I went on to fix some basic mechanical problems. And then I went on there as, as I learned and grew in that. I, I, I went and I was trained to troubleshoot more complex problems. And, and then from there, I, I learned to, like, take apart the lenses, you know, in the SLR cameras where the lens can come off, to actually uh, repair those lenses and take them apart and clean them and fix them and all that. Soon after that, uh, at that time, this was years ago, the newer electronic cameras were coming out, autofocus and, and all this stuff, and cameras were getting circuit boards and, and microchips and all that. And, and I actually learned that. I, I went and trained at um, a major manufacturer and, and learned how to repair those. And I was actually uh, soldering and unsoldering chips and wires and different things. And, and uh, you know, I, I just kept growing, growing in, in what I was learning in all of this. And as a believer... You know, I try to be a light and witness by having a good work ethic. You know, Ephesians 6.5, doing what's asked of me. You know, uh, I'm not complaining, you know, just, just doing my, the best job I could, learning and taking what was given me and just doing it no matter what it was. And I believe it's that what o- is what opened up other opportunities to grow, upper opportuni- other opportunities to learn to do new things. And I became better and better in doing this. And perhaps some of you can relate. You know, maybe you started out in your job just, you know, sweeping up or doing this. But little by little, you, you rose, you know, in your position and you got uh, more responsibilities. And, you know, now you're a manager or you learn so much. Now you own your, the, the place or you have your own business. But you understand, right, because you're a good worker. You do what was asked of you. And so that opened up those opportunities to progress and advance. Well, think about that. In a similar way, that's what God does in the church. As believers submit in obedience to the leaders, whether in applying to the, you know, in their life, the teaching, or what God is, is showing you and growing spiritually, and become, or whether it's, you know, serving in the church, or um, little by little. I've, I've seen guys, you know, start in the usher's ministry, and they went on to pastor church. Or that I, I have one guy, I remember, he was a, a usher, he was doing a home fellowship, or he did Keiki Church, fifth and sixth grade, uh, led a home fellowship, and then now he's doing his own church, you know. I've seen guys just progress and grow in that way, and as opportunities came, God just kept giving them more, and spiritual growth had happened. So God has made things to work that way. So where are you today? Do you have this kind of heart and attitude in your life. Do you understand now? To obey and submit to your leaders is to allow what God arranged to help you grow spiritually. That's what the Lord is speaking about today. Let me ask you, are you someone who is teachable and trainable? Then you know what? Then you are 
spiritually mature. No matter how long you've been with the Lord, no matter where you, where you are at, you know what? That shows maturity. Because those who submit in obedience are the ones who are mature Christians in the church. They are the ones who progress. They become more and more, as I said at the beginning, like Christ. So you see, it's that humble attitude. It's that teachable spirit that really is a mark of a mature believer because we've learned that that's what it means to be godly before God. Well, let me ask you this question. Are you a joy to the leadership or do you bring grief? Now, from this passage, this is a valid application. And, 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 and you know, I, I look at myself too. And I, I kind of have a hard time giving you this message because I hate saying, you better obey me kind of thing. I don't like saying that to, to you guys in this way, but we're just studying the word here. But I apply it to myself too because I have some overseers over me, you know. And as we are Calvary Chapel affiliate, I have some people over me. And I think about too, am I being obedient and submissive? Do I bring joy to them? How about you? I mean, think about it this way. It's like how it is for parents to have a rebellious child. Is that a joy or grief to them? Or think about a high school coach dealing with players who may buck them all the time. Is, are they a joy or grief to them? Or think about maybe you're a supervisor, manager, or owner. Think about how your employees under you can give you joy or grief, right? Think about that. Well, so it is with the leadership. So we need to ask ourselves the same questions. Do I bring joy or grief? So you know what? Let's you and I all submit in obedience so that we may keep at growing up spiritually. All right, let's go on to number two now in our head, heading, our outline heading, support in prayer. We've seen submit in obedience and now support in prayer. Here we're going to be looking at Hebrews 18, or chapter 13, verse 18 and 19. It says here, verse 18, Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. But especially, verse 19, I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. All right, now as we come into verse 18, the writer starts to close out this letter and he asks for this prayer request. He put this prayer request out. He says, you know what? Pray for us. And understand, pray here, the tense of the original language in Greek means this continual prayer. And so the writer's saying, hey, pray for us. And, and we're not sure exactly, uh, a lot of scholars aren't sure but in context, he was talking about leadership. He's probably talking about maybe other leaders that are with him. It could be just some other Christians. He's saying, hey, pray for us, you know, pray for us. And he says this, who with a good conscience have the desire to live honorably like in everything that they do. Now, why is he saying that? Well, it's believed that, per that perhaps they are going through some persecution. So the writer is asking the Jewish believers reading the, this letter that they would pray for strength for these leaders, for those who are going through persecution, that they may respond to perhaps this persecution, perhaps abusive treatment, that they may, uh, with good conscience, you know, with the right heart, that they may live honorably, that they may give glory to God, that no matter how they are treated, that they may respond in spiritual maturity. I mean, there's one way to respond, right? Yeah. In the flesh, you know, like a child, all upset and everything. And, or there's that godly, biblical way to respond. So he's asking them that their response would, you know, be right. That pray for them, that God would give them strength, that they would carry themselves in a way to honor and glorify God. And then his second request that he asks, I especially pray that I may be restored. In other words, that this writer could come back to be with these uh, uh, Jewish believers soon. So we see here, the idea is the writer asks for support in prayer. That's our heading. And I'll tell you, that's very important to support your leader in prayer. As the writer here is their leader who has written this epistle. Support your leader in prayer.
John MacArthur wrote this. Church leaders are made of the same stuff as those they serve. They have sins, weaknesses, limitations, blind spots, and needs of all sorts just as everyone else. They both need and deserve the prayers of God's people without which they cannot be the most effective in His work. And I think that's really good. Understand, as the writer of Hebrews are, are, are saying, hey, su- support in prayer, support us in prayer, you know, pray for the leaders. You know, that's important because they're people too. Our leaders, they're, they're human beings, you know, like you and I. And so as we are called to pray for our leaders, right, you know what, it only benefits you because they're the ones who facilitate your spiritual growth. And so the better leaders they are, then the better and more you will grow spiritually. So you want them to be fully functioning in what they are called to do. So the writer's point here is this. Help those who help you spiritually by constantly praying for your leaders. Help those who help you spiritually by constantly praying for your leaders. You know, the other day, uh, there was a centipede in our house. It was a good-sized one. It was like over seven, it was almost eight, about eight inches long. I mean, it was a big one, and it was at the baseboard, just trying to go up the wall and going like this, going along the baseboard. I, I, I saw the cat looking at something I was studying. I go, what? And he's just staring at it. And I think the cat is smart enough not to mess with it. And it, here it is. I go, oh, centipede. I didn't want to make a big fuss because I know Kristen would like freak out. So I, I uh, quietly, you know, grabbed our centipede tongs. And I grabbed it, took it outside, and I put it on the ground. And I was like trying to injure it. Then I took the edge, you know, the end of the tongs and cut its head off, you know, right? And, and, and like, like the saying, right? Cut the head off the snake and the body dies. And that was it, you know, for the centipede. It was dead, dead, gone. And I don't know, just a side comment, I don't know why, but it felt really good to cut the head off that thing. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you this because that's how our enemy, Satan, works. He wants to attack and persecute the leaders in the church, right? With the same idea, right? He wants to cut the head off. He wants to, he wants to destroy the leaders. He wants, to, he wants to bring them down so that then it, it, will, it will disperse and, and make the body yeah, go away. Listen, godly leaders face temptations and attacks more intensely than the average Christian. Why? Because Satan knows that he, if he can undermine if he can destroy he if he can bring down a leader then it's going to divide and take down the church also so you guys it's important to pray for your leaders because in the end right it benefits your spiritual growth right you come church here why because you want to love the lord more you want to grow in the lord you study god's word we study it together why because we want to get closer to the lord We want to grow. We want to be transformed by the power of the word here. We want more of Jesus. But think, if if Satan comes in and just wipes all the churches out, yeah, and there is no church, where are people going to go? Yeah, This, This is how God has structured things. So pray for your leaders. And listen, there is nothing more powerful than the body of believers praying for their leaders ian bound said when a church is on is on its knees it brings heaven to earth you know i i I was thinking about how um one day five college students were spending uh sunday in london so they went to to ch spurgeon's church he was a great a preacher in the 1800s in England. So he went to Spurgeon's church and they want to go see him preach. And so they're there in, in London. So while waiting for the doors to open, uh, the students were greeted by this man and, and, he, and he told them, hey, guys, let me show you around. So he's showing them around. Then he said, you want to see the heating plant of the church? And they said, oh, yeah, well, I guess so. And they didn't really care because it was July and it was kind of a hot day. But just to not offend this stranger, they consented. So the young men, they were taken down a stairway all the way down in the bottom of the basement. 
And the guy said, this is our heating plant. And when he opened the door and they peeked in, they saw 700 people bowed in prayer, praying for the service, praying for Spurgeon, the pastor, before everyone came in. Then when he closed the door, this man introduced himself to be none other than Charles Spurgeon himself. That's what we need to do. We need to be in prayer for our leaders. And you know what? There's an opportunity, you guys. In the morning before service, there's a group of people that pray for you, pray for the church, pray for the worship, pray for the Keiki Church, and pray for the Bible study, and they pray for me too. And I'll tell you, I feel it. I feel it up here. All right, let's go on to number three now. Surrender in maturity. Keep at growing up spiritually. Submit in obedience, support in prayer. And then number three, surrender in maturity. Uh, we're going to cover the rest of our passage here. And so we begin here in verse uh, 20. Now, it says, May the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, verse 21, make you complete in every good work to do as well, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Christ, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, as customary uh, in many of these ancient letters, the writer closes things off with this letter, this epistle, with a prayer. This is his closing prayer, basically. He prays for the Hebrew believers who are reading now this epistle. And he prays that the God of peace, which speaks of our God who brings peace in our lives, both peace with him, between him and I, through Christ, and peace into our lives. And he is the one, the Heavenly Father, who has brought up our Lord or he's resurrected Jesus from the dead after he died on the cross for our sins. And Jesus, he says here in his prayer, is our great shepherd of the sheep, right? Jesus is the shepherd who laid his life down for the sheep, which made salvation possible by his blood shed for the everlasting covenant. Remember what the everlasting covenant is? That's the gospel. That's how we are saved. That's that, that new covenant that we celebrate in communion. And then he prays this, and I like this, that God would make you complete. Now just think about that prayer there. I love that prayer. That, that's my personal prayer even. The word complete here, understand this, in the original language, in the Greek, means to equip, to repair, to restore. It carries this idea of mending, of adjusting, shaping, and, and preparing. It's like these songs we've been singing this morning, how God can take the broken, you and I, right, and mend us and make us whole again. That's what complete here is talking about. And so the prayer is that uh, he's saying, the, the writer's saying, hey, that may God continue to heal, mend you, make you complete, equip you, fix you, prepare you, right? And how does he prepare you? Well, he goes on and he, he prays with every good work. That's how he prepares you. What does he mean by that? That is to give you everything you need. That's what he's saying. He would fix you, prepare you. He would adjust you so that you would have everything you need to what? To do his will. To accomplish all that God wants you to do. You guys, that's spiritual maturity. To be in that place in your life where you're living out God's will. Where you're, as a Christian, living for God. You're, you're, you're growing in godliness, you know. You're loving on Jesus just in your personal relationship. I mean, that's spiritual maturity. And it goes on in spiritual maturity to fulfill, to do His will and what He wants you to do in your life. To be... Uh, complete, to be fixed, to be prepared with everything you need to serve the Lord and be who you're supposed to be. What a great prayer, isn't that? And then he prays that God will keep working in you, this work, what is well-pleasing in His sight. You know what that means? It's really our title. That you would keep at growing up spiritually 
that God would, would be in you and you would be growing into spiritual mature, maturity. You guys, it's all through Jesus and for his glory forever and ever. And he says, amen at the end of this prayer. What a beautiful closing prayer that God would continue to work in our lives that we may continue to grow up spiritually. Warren Wiersbe said this, and we're going to put this on the screen. He wants to mature us so that he can work in us and through us that which pleases him and accomplishes his will. Look at that for a moment on the screen. Isn't that a, a great thing? That's my heart. When I read that, I go, oh, Lord, that's what I want. Lord, I want what you want. God, you want to mature us. You want us to grow spiritually, not stay the same, not stay, stay a spiritual baby, yeah, still in diapers, but to grow up and become more like Jesus, more and more and more useful to Him, serving Him, furthering the kingdom so that He can work in us and through us. I love that, in us and through us. That which pleases Him accomplishes His will. Well, the writer goes on here in verse 22. He adds this, And I appeal to you. It's almost like he, clo- he was closing off the letter, almost ready to go, and then, oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I want to say one more thing. I want to encourage you one more thing. I want to exhort you, you in one more thing. And I, I appeal to you, brethren, all the saints, all the Christians, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in a few words. Now, he says, I've written to you in a few words, and, and many believe, well, he's talking about what he just written, yeah? This whole epistle, all these 13 chapters, I'm thinking, it wasn't a few words, but maybe it was a few words in a sense he had so much more to say, right? But notice what he says right above that. He adds this appeal. Bear, I bear with you. The word bear here means means. Listen, you know, I appeal to you that you would bear. Listen and receive the word of exhortation. In other words, he's saying take seriously what, is, what was taught in this letter. Take it seriously. Bear it. Endure it. Receive it. Even if it's hard to take. He's saying be serious. And you know what he's saying? About surrendering your life and applying what has been written in this epistle. That's the idea in this verse. Be serious about it. Hey, I'm praying that you, God would make you complete, that He would fix you, that, that He would repair you, prepare you, that he would, he would mend you, that you become and equip you everything you need to be. But you know what it takes? It takes surrendering, He's saying. Bear with the words that have been written here in this epistle. That's the idea. Be serious about surrendering your life to apply what has been written here. And that's how you can grow. That's how you can grow in application. You know what he's saying? Be the one who surrender in maturity. That's our heading here. Surrender in maturity. Be mature. Surrender your life. Bear those things. Do those things. Even though it's hard. The mature person, even though it's hard, I'm going to do it. Even though it's not convenient, I'm going to do it. Philippians 2.13, and this is the NLT Let me read this to you, and I I believe it's going to be on the screen too. But it says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Isn't that wonderful? God is doing this work in us. But sometimes we resist Him. But as we grow in spiritual maturity, we begin to surrender in the work of God that He's doing. And you know what? He's putting that desire in you. He's putting that, that, that sense inside of you like, yeah, I know this is right. I know I need to grow. I know I need to heed the word. I know I need to come church and learn more. I know I need to serve him more. I know, you know what? That, God's placed that in you. And then I love the end of verse 13 here in the NLT. And he puts in you, right? The power, giving you the power to do what pleases him. So do you understand That it's not only the desire, but God gives you the means and ability through the Holy Spirit to become everything God wants you to be and to do everything God wants you to do. All it takes is surrendering to Him, surrendering to the Word, and allowing that power of God to work in your life. Oh, he had to add that after his prayer. May God make you complete. But wait, you guys got to surrender. 
And God can do that. God can complete you. Well, then he writes a few more things here, verse 23. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free with whom I shall see you if he uh, comes shortly. With whom I shall see you. Here's, here's a note about Timothy, Paul's assistant, Paul's guy, he had, uh, his protege. And, so, and this is why some people feel uh, that maybe even the Apostle Paul had written the book of Hebrews. We don't know. And if you notice throughout our study, I've been saying the writer, the writer, because we don't really know who it is. And uh, some people believe it's Paul. I didn't feel like it was personally, but you can study this on yourself. But we see here a little thought that, well, Timothy was in prison, but he's set free. And that maybe he might come with this writer to see the Jewish believers. Then he ends with these greetings, verse 24. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints, those from Italy, greet you. So some last minute greetings, you know, uh, 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 greet those, you know, leaders you have. And interestingly, he says, and all the saints from Italy, hey, they greet you too. So it must be the author's writing from there in Italy. Then we have the final words here of the book of Hebrews, the final verse, verse 25, and he closes as with many of the uh, apostles and with this, verse 25, grace be with you all, amen. So here's this final blessing the writer gives to the Jewish believers, grace be with you all. And, and that's such a wonderful blessing and wish, right? I mean, by grace, we're saved right? Through faith. By grace, God has reached out to us. By grace, we continue in God and have opportunities. And by grace, every day he gives us because we're not perfect and we don't deserve it. And so he wishes the greatest, you know, uh, wish, I think, you know, other than the love of God, but that grace would continue to be with you all. So the epistle to Hebrews ends with grace and this grace is found where? In Jesus Christ in which whom we must keep our eyes on. So remember our theme of the book of Hebrews? The theme is this, hold on in faith by keeping Jesus above all things. That was our theme. It was all focused on Jesus, all focused on him. And it ends here on Jesus and grace. Our our theme versus Hebrews 12 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. All right, we end with this last point now. Our last point is this. Keep Jesus and the word above all things and you will keep at growing into spiritual maturity. That's what grace gives us. This focus on Jesus. Keep Jesus and the word above all things and you will keep at growing into spiritual maturity. Pioneer missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, was once asked, what kind of equipment does one need in order to be a missionary? What should I bring? You know, what, what should I do? His reply was interesting. He answered with this. This is the equipment you need. A life yielded to God. A restful trust in Him to supply your needs. A willingness to take a lowly place. Adaptability towards circumstances. Steadfastness in discouragement, love for prayer, and the study of God's Word. I mean, it's practically what we've been talking about here today. You see, it's not so much the material equipment, but it's the spiritual equipment that is needed in the mission field. And that is what is needed for us. We need Jesus in our life. That's what's important. So keep Jesus in the Word above all things, and you know what? Then you will grow uh, you will keep growing into spiritual maturity. As we come to a close, let me ask you this. What kind of spiritual progress have you made? Since you came to greet Jesus, since you first gave your life to Him, have you grown? Have you maybe stopped growing at some point? Or maybe your progress has been slow right or maybe right now it's been real slow and before it was really fast what do you see in your spiritual growth the thing is we need you and i to keep to jesus keep to the word and keep at growing in the lord keep going you guys 
keep at spiritual growth in your life. Keep that in mind. Don't stop. I'll close with this story. Spanish uh, musician uh, Pablo Casals is regarded as the greatest cellist of all time. Uh, He was even awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1963 by President John F. Kennedy. Well, a year before his death in 1973, at the age of 95 now, years old, he was questioned on why he continued to practice every day for six hours. His answer? He said, because I think I'm making progress. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you know, every day is an opportunity to progress. And I want to keep progressing, you know. I want to grow. I want to get better. Well, so it is for us spiritually. Every day is an opportunity. Every day we have this opportunity to submit in obedience, support in prayer, and surrender in maturity. And so let's do that so we can keep at growing up spiritually. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you, and as we are reminded today, Lord, to keep at growing up spiritually, Lord, to keep growing, to keep seeking you. God, sometimes we get so comfortable in our own selves, in our life. Sometimes we get lazy. Sometimes we get only doing things that are convenient, God, and forgive us for that. And it it leaks into and flows into our walk with you. We let go of praying every day. We let go of reading our Bibles anymore. We let go of, well, we're casual, more casual about coming to church where once before that was the thing. That we were, we were so fired up to be in church, to be with you, to worship you, but now it's like, ah, if I feel like it. But God, we know the only way to grow is to spend time with you, to be in your word to be with God's people, to be in prayer, to be in worship. Our fellowship, God, is important. So, Lord, help us to keep that growing up spiritually. Lord, I pray that you would stir us up today, that you you would, with this last study in Hebrews, spark, Lord, a fire, a flame in our heart, and may it grow into this roaring fire for you, Jesus, that our passions for you our love for you would, would be just burning, God. Lord, help us today because we are weak. We are easily distracted, God, easily influenced and tempted away. But no more, Lord, no more. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit right now would just fall upon us. I pray right now as we closing out this service that, that you... You have been moving already. You, you're here. We sense your presence, but even more so, God, that your Holy Spirit would come and baptize us, would fill us, God, with this fire, with the empowering and the strength, God, to go out and love you more and live for you more. Help us today, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.